Hello, my friend. I'm Timothy Fleming Sr., the pastor of Mount Carmel Baptist Church here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for tuning in today. Words from a senior pastor. Yes, I've been out here pastoring a long time, preaching 54 years, pastoring 47 years, so I've been out here a long time. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen the old church, and I've seen how the new church is emerging. It's been a blessing to live to see through these things. Now, I'm not that old. I'm only 66 years old. I've just been preaching since I was 11 years old and pastoring since I was 19 years old. Pastor six churches during my ministry. So I know a few little things. Some things are not in books, by the way. You can learn it from experience. Experience is the greatest teaching. And I'm so grateful that since I've been doing these table talks or words from a senior pastor, I've been getting response from all around the world, and I'm hearing good reports. And thank you for those good comments. It encouraged me to continue on with this when I know that what I'm doing is blessing somebody. We're not here to condemn and make you feel bad. Get enough of that from some preachers. I'm here to try to help you and move you to another level and get you to feeling good about yourself. Some people don't see it that way. Some preachers think, well, you need to convict and condemn them. Well, that's true in many ways. People do need to be convicted to get better, but some people don't take it that way. Sometimes you can drive people away being a little too hard. The Bible said, feed my sheep, not beat my sheep. So I'm here to try to make you feel a little better because if some people feel better, they'll get better. Think about that. I'm telling you why I'm doing these table talks. And there are some people, very famous people, I've been told, and I'm getting this message of looking at us right now, out in Hollywood and stars and famous people who are unhappy, looking for a word. Well, I have a word from you. I'm thanking all you people out in Europe. I heard from you. Yes, Europe is listening and looking. I'm grateful for that because many churches in Europe are becoming very empty because Many people in Europe have forgotten God, and that's where it all started. So we got to get this word out. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. We're here to try to lift you up, okay? Now, today, I'm going to talk about how to live in a messy situation. In other words, making the best of a bad mess. How to make the best of a bad mess. I may say how to make the best of a mess because some people are in a mess but not in a bad mess and some people are in a bad mess. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? But how do you make the best of a mess? Well, we're going to get into it tonight. But look, friends, I want to use today, much, most, sometimes I don't use uh, the text because these are talks. These are like counseling you and and trying to move you up to another level where I can get you more into church. I'm aware of the fact that some people don't go to church but never will go to church and this, this social media is going straight into your home. And I'm hoping that you can just sit down, if you want to have a cup of coffee or open your Bible, you dress the way you want to. I don't care because we're going straight into your house today and I'm hoping that any time at night, way over the midnight, you can get up and look at these words from a senior pastor, and it will really comfort you. So let's go to the book of Genesis today. 
I'm going to be talking from one of my favorite characters in the Bible. There are two Bible characters that I really love preaching and teaching. That's Joseph and Job. Oh, boy, I love teaching from those two men. They really touch my life. And when I get down, I go back and read that story. It just delivers me all the time. And really, both of these guys got in a messy situation today, by the way. Look at Genesis chapter 39, and I want to just key in on verse 2 and maybe 3 and 4 uh, tonight. Look, it says here, Genesis 39, verse 2, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Listen, did you see that? Write that down on the line that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, a slave being prosperous. That, that, <laughs> I thought we would normally say the master is prosperous, but, but a slave being prosperous? Already that speaks a powerful word. You can be prosperous and you are the slave. In fact, there's possibility that some slaves might be more prosperous than the master. Oh, that's a whole other sermon. But think about that, what God can do. The Lord made Joseph prosperous. How was, that's a good word on what makes people prosperous. It's not always money that makes you prosperous. It's not always cars and clothes. Now, I'm not against people who teach because God believes in you being prosperous, but prosperity is more than money, cars and clothes and, and all these luxury things. Those are things, but prosperity is so deep we need to define it. When you can wake up in the morning and you have your good mind, you're already prosperous. You're already prosperous. When you got your good health and strength, you're already prosperous. When you know who God is, you're already prosperous. Oh, my friend, some people think that they got to have a car to be prosperous. No, you, when you can get around and move around, you're prosperous. Because you know what? Sometimes your legs can take you where your car can't take you, by the way. So you're prosperous that you can walk. You can get on a bus or train and go, hey, you're already prosperous when you got legs to walk. And if you don't even have your legs, you can, there are ways to get around without legs. You're already prosperous when you got your good mind. You're already prosperous. You're prosperous in many ways. You got family, you got friends. A big house doesn't make people happy. I'm probably talking to somebody looking at me right now in Hollywood that got millions. And, and walking around, throwing everything on the floor, about to go crazy. Solomon says, all is vanity. That doesn't give you happiness. You want it, and now as you get it, it doesn't mean anything because things doesn't make you happy. You know, you got to know who you are. Well, I'm getting into that in a minute. Made him problem. Look what it says in verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord were with him, who? Joseph. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. So the master saw that he was getting prospered because of uh, Joseph was prosperous. Oh, that's powerful. This is making the best of a mess already. You can help yourself by 
if you want a messy job, why don't you do things to make the job make more? When the more they make, the more they can give you. You should look at it that way. I've heard people say, I'm not working to make no man rich. Why not? Because the more you make him rich and he knows that you're the one making him rich, you're going to end up getting some of the blessing. You have more than you had. We take negative thoughts and we go in there with stinky thinking and then we wonder why things getting stinky. And we wonder why things not happening for you. Keep wondering why you don't get a raise. Keep wondering why people don't want to promote you. They don't see that you care. And you got to make up in your mind, when I want more, I need to do things to make them have more because people are in business to make money, not to be your friend. And they want to make money. We, we hurt ourselves. Now, this is so powerful. Already, I'm getting at how Joseph dealt with a messy situation. He was prosperous, but how he became prosperous, he made his master prosperous. And he ended up being prosperous. Now, I'm going somewhere in a minute. And look what it says in verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, his master. And did what happened. And he served him, underline this, and that he made him the overseer, the master now made him the overseer over his house. And all that he put in his hand, good God, let me get into my message today. This is already getting me moving fast, how to make the best of a mess. Number one, I want to tell you how to make the best of a mess. Let's accept the fact and admit you in a mess. Now, a lot of people can't handle a mess because they don't believe they're in a mess. Some people are in a mess and some of it is the mess you Calls and some of you didn't even create the mess, but just ended up in a mess. Think about this. I'm sure some of you looking at me right now saying, Reverend, I'm in a mess. I can't pay my bills and I can't take care of my family and I don't know why I'm in this mess. How am I going to make it in this mess? Well, let's look at what got you in a mess. But you got to confess you're in a mess. Now, if you keep going around saying, I'm not in no mess, I'm doing fine, I'm just having a few problems, then you'll never be able to make it in this mess because you don't believe it's a mess. You got credit cards more than you bringing in, you're in a mess. Amen? You and your husband just can't get along in the same house, won't speak to each other, mad at each other, going in different directions have a house but don't want to come home because a home is more than a house and a house doesn't make a home but a, but a home makes the house. So you got this big old house, you got wall to wall carpet and wall to wall hill. Go in one room is hill, go in another room is hill, everywhere you go is hill, that's a mess. I've known some people living in a little small apartment very happy because they're into each other and I've seen people with 15 and 20 rooms can't stand each other. That's a mess. You know what a real mess is? And sometimes you make that mess and don't want to admit you're in that mess. You can't pay some of those bills because you're the one who used those credit cards and got yourself in this mess. And I already know a lot of you out there in a mess because of these credit cards. And you got to learn that you can't buy everything you, you see and everything you want. You got to get control of the flesh or you're going to get in a mess. That's what fasting is. It controls the flesh. You, 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 you're almost starving the body to feed the soul. And then you feed the soul, the soul controls the body. Don't let the body control in the soul. That's why you're in trouble. 
you have the soul control the body. Your inner man need to be controlling your outer man. This is so powerful. What gets you in a mess? You don't want to confess you're in a mess. You may be going around saying, uh, I don't need no help on drugs. Uh, I'm fine. I can quit when I get ready. Then why don't you quit? You can't quit because you hung. You stuck. You're in a mess. You would like to quit. And here's the problem. You don't want to admit you're addicted to drugs. So you refuse to go to rehab. You refuse to go to some people who can help you. You don't want nobody to talk to you. You're bullheaded. You're stubborn and you're rebellious. And you keep saying you don't have no problem and you know you have a problem. You're in a mess. You can't get help because you won't confess you're in a mess. That's a mess. Oh, it's a lot of things that people don't want to confess they're in a mess. They got some desires that, that's got them in a lot of trouble. It has been very dangerous to get involved. You got in it when you were young and some of you gotten in a gang and now you can't get out. You're in a mess. If you try to get out, they'll probably kill you. You become a member of something that really has tied you down. You've sworn your life, you've really thrown your life away. You've become committed to that thing. And now you want to do other things. You're in a mess. You're in a mess. But sometimes it's the choices you make. And sometimes you make that mess. But I'm not here to condemn you about the mess. I'm trying to tell you how you can get out of the mess because you've got to confess you're in a mess. You are in a mess. You can't keep no friends. Everybody you lead, meet, you run them away. You, you keep meeting all these different women and you can't never find a wife. You meet, meet these men. You can't find nobody to please you please you because you're in a mess. You have not learned how to control some things about you that drive people away. Some of you are lonely because you choose to be. You don't want to submit. You don't want to give in. You're too, you're too egocentric and your ego is just destroying you. You won't listen to nobody. And when you won't listen, you're in a mess. That's the worst thing can be said about you in any situation is when you won't listen. God can't even reach a man when he won't listen. You know, man's in a mess. Yes, we in a mess. We in a mess. This economy is in a mess. We, everything about you around you, you see, is a mess. But you don't, can't, we can't even straighten this country out till we drop our pride and confess we in a mess. We're in a mess with all these wars. We're in a mess with this terrorist stuff. And some of it we created. When we went over and knocked out Iraq, we didn't plan nothing for those soldiers when they returned home. They came home and they had no food, no job. The home destroyed. And now they became ISIL. They joined that. That's really the old Iraqi army. We didn't plan nothing for these people. And they hear mixed messages about us that we trying to destroy them. We got to find a way to get to those people that America is not their enemy. But they're thinking that's what it is. People get in a mess. And we don't want to confess we made a mess. Oh, praise God. Help me, Holy Ghost. You got to confess you in a mess before you can get healed. And when a person won't confess, you can't help them. So, next thing to help you deal with a mess, if you're in a mess, don't get messy. 
That's number two. Don't get messy. A lot of folk are in a mess, and they are messy in that mess. You're in a mess, and you're messy. Sometimes you probably got in a mess because you're messy. Just messy. Just, have you ever seen people just messy? Everything they do, they create havoc. Every, look like every move they make, they tap something. They just gossip. They keep a mess on a job. And sometimes it's bad when a room get brightened up when you leave it. <laughs> it's bad that a room can get brightened up when you leave. It's, it's bad when people see you and, and when you leave, they holler, thank God they're gone. And it's bad when people see you coming to their house and they say, oh, God, look who's coming. You know what they see? Mess. Messy. On the phone. Messy. At home. Messy. On the job. Messy. Some people are bitter. You know why a lot of people are messy? Well, number one, they like attention. And when you like a lot of attention, you can lose everything, friend. When you want too much attention, you can destroy yourself. You can't be the center of attraction. It's more, you're not the only person in this world. Sometimes we think that. Every time you look in the mirror, you sing how great thou art. <laughs> and you know, and you want all this attention. And we know what, when a person wants a lot of attention, I need to tell you right now, sometimes when a person wants a lot of attention, they can't get enough. One of the signs that when you want a lot of attention and you want to be the center of attention, you can't get enough. Enough is not enough for you. People can give you this, give you that, and you still got your mouth out. You can that old folks say you be crying with a crying with a loaf of bread under your arm. You can't be pleased. When people mess it, they love to be the center of attention. Why? Misery loves company and misery gets company, by the way. People like to talk all about their problems because they want sympathy. And you tell in your business, but you don't realize when you tell in your things about somebody to get attention, you also put in people in your business. And you have to keep folk out of your business because when they get in your business, it's gone. They're going to mix everything and then they're going to get on you and talk about you doing this, you doing that. Keep them out of your business, especially church folk. Be careful what you pray when you're praying publicly because they are listening and hey, after you get through telling God about what you want God to do about your home and all the situation, it becomes phone ministry then. <laughs> they on the phone talking, did you hear what she said she's going through? Keep church folk out your business, baby. But when you lack a lot of attention, when you are self-centered, you get messy because all that draws attention on you. Praise God. And then your ego gets in the way when you're messy. You want to be important. And sometimes people get messy to show they bad and bully. Hey, I'm bad, strong, and get out of my way and you better fear me. These are some of the things that why some folk are so messy. They don't get no attention somewhere else, so they try to get it somewhere else, and they want to be big, powerful, and seen. Think about this. This is tight, but it's right. I'm trying to help you. Don't get messy. Don't, don't come down on the level 
of messy people who trying to keep you in a mess. Don't get messy with them. Don't fight them back when they're trying to uh, come after you. Sometimes you get more hurt in the battle than just walking off. Old folk, you said, bad grandma said, better to say they go than to say they lay. All right? So you may need to walk off sometime from some fight. I often tell you, don't ever try to correct a fool. When you're talking to a fool, you know it's a fool, don't try to correct a fool. You're going to make a fight in the enemy. Sometimes you have to agree with a crazy fool to keep from making them a worse enemy. Just say, okay, yeah, right. Go on because they're not worth you dying. Don't go fighting somebody who want a car spot, my friend. It's not worth them taking out a gun, shooting you for a car spot. Let them just have it. There's more places. You keep on, most of us are forceful because we don't want to walk. And just go on and park somewhere and walk on in the mall. It's not worth it. Okay, you beat me to it, have it. And don't, don't, don't get in the argument with people uh, riding along or somebody got in front of you and you're going to get out cussing and fighting. It's not worth you being dead. These people probably got problems, mad about something, probably got fired off a job, and they just looking for a fight even on the highway. Just fact that you drove and giving them them thumbs. You know how we do these, uh, these bad things? You, I don't want to show you these fingers, but listen. Suppose a person who's really mad about something stops and get behind you, and I've heard that and seen that done too, and shoots you. They're already mad. They're not worth it. Killing people over nothing. People mad. And you don't need to get messy because they messy. Am I helping somebody? Help me, Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness? Why don't you click on there and say, you right, Reverend. Yeah, just agree with me. You're right. I don't need to get like them because they're already down. And they want to bring you down. You know, when people not going nowhere, they can stop you. And sometimes people will try to stop you, get messy with you, and make you messy to stop you. They don't want to see you prosper. They look. They want to show people there's a side of you they don't that people don't know. They want to try to put you in a dilemma to make you get cussy and cussing and fussing and using profanity on the job and even in your church. And then people gonna look at you shocked. Say, wow, I didn't know you could talk like that. I seen you pray, shout in church. I didn't know you curse like that. I didn't know you could get mad like this. Oh, you let people who are messy make you messy. That's what you did. You weren't using your head. You can't go that way. Everybody know they lie all the time. Everybody know they're bad people. And you can't let them bring you down and get you down. You got to watch it. Don't get messy. Don't go back with bitterness at the people. Some of y'all do a lot of messy things when you go through these divorces and then you go around and get all messy and, and you start uh, fighting each other when it's already over. If you're gone, you're just gone. Go on somewhere and leave each other alone. Don't, don't, don't fight nobody back. Look, you have more in front of you than what you have. It's not always what you... Of loss is what you got left. It's not worth going back killing some girl because she went on to another boy. Now you got to sit in prison for the rest of your life and can't get nobody. 
let her go on with her life. Who's nobody promised? I have seen young kids. I've seen young, beautiful young girls hang themselves because a boy told them he didn't want them anymore. What were you doing before you met him? Okay, you were doing all right. And can't you do that again after you lose them? A lot of times we keep thinking about people that we lost. Well, what were you doing before you met them? You were making it, and you are going to make it after you lose them. They're not God. Stop worshiping these guys and stop worshiping these women and thinking that your life is torn up because they want to move on or you caught them doing something. They're not worth you just going crazy over them. Listen, some of them don't even have nothing, and you're going crazy over them. They don't even have nothing for you to kill yourself over. You pull yourself together, lady, fix yourself up and find somebody else and move on. Don't get messy. Don't be tracking him down or, or coming over uninvited. You're trying to surprise people. You're going to get surprised. You're smothering people. You're trying to control them. You can't control grown people. They're going to do what they want to do with you got to sleep. You got to go somewhere sometime. You can't follow them all the time. You're acting messy. You're making them feel like they're stars, and then nobody making them feel like that but you. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm already talking to somebody who's beginning to wake up. Listen, you need to repeat this. They are not worth me losing my mind. Because when you lose your mind and lose all you got, you know what they're going to do? Go on somebody else that got good sense. <laughs> Praise God. Go see, I don't want that crazy person no more. They're going to dump you anyhow because you have lost your mind over them. Don't get messy. Don't be fighting these in these courtrooms when it's over. The kids going to get affected because when you go to sharing blood and slinging blood everywhere, it's going to get on the kids. They go get blood on them. And they're going to think they're to blame. They're the cause of this divorce. You need to become friends. Say, look, I'm sorry we couldn't make it, but we can be friends. You know why you don't need to get messy in these divorces? You might need each other. And I've seen that happen. I've seen the times when that divorced person had to call the other and help with a bill, and they went right over and helped them. You, listen, don't burn bridges. If you can't make it, go on. You might need, and some people have become the best friends. They just couldn't get along, but they better off distance. Now, I'm not advocating divorces. You know I don't teach that. I've been married one woman 48 years. But there have been times we got in some rough moments, but we stuck it out. Marriage is not what people think it is. It's a struggle in marriage. Somebody talking about how beautiful their marriage is. They don't fuss and they don't fight. Never, I guess so, when you're not speaking to each other. <laughs> but marriage is a struggle. It, it takes something to get it, and it takes something to hold it. And you got to look for times when people are going to fall, make mistakes, because you're living together. You're looking at the same person all day, every day. And that's not easy all the time. When the other stranger's coming around, things can go wrong. But you got to remember who else you're affecting when you go to getting messy. You're affecting those kids. And Go peacefully and go back and see about your kids and let them know it's not because of you all. We just couldn't make it. And when you get messy, oh, you end up with some messy kids. And they start thinking, it's their fault. Praise God. That's a blessing 
become friends and go on with your life. Don't get messy. There was one time um, a deacon was messing with the pastor one time and the pastor didn't know how to handle this deacon. He was always opposing everything he tried to bring before the church, the deacon would oppose. He was just fighting the pastor all the time. Pastor, he wanted to explode, but he had a little control of how he did it. <laughs> one night, the deacon was just opposing, and the pastor said, you defile spirit, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I defile you. I defile you for wanting to cuss. You better not cuss. You better not do this. And the deacon, everybody in the church was shocked. So the deacon said, Brother Pastor, of course I was opposing you, but you just call me all these demons and these spirits. Uh, did it have to get that bad? The pastor said, Oh, I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to me. I wasn't talking to you. I was praying, deliver me from evil. Lord, deliver me from evil. He said, I wasn't talking to you. He said, I was talking to that spirit in me that was about to rise up because if I hadn't controlled him and rebuked it, you would have been lying on that floor, deacon. <laughs> Praise God. Well, hey, he, he, it was a messy situation, but that pastor rebuked the demon, the demon, the preacher, the deacon thought that preacher was talking to him. No, he was talking to himself. I got to control myself. Don't get messy. Let me move on to another point about Joseph. I like this when the Bible says, how do you deal with a mess? Is that you continue to do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing. I know that's similar to what I just said, but, but, but just follow me. Work with what you have left. Joseph's brothers has sold him. He is in a house as a slave. He didn't have time to be fussing and cussing about how they wronged him, nursing a wound. Oh, you can't get out of it. Nursing a wound, talking about what somebody did to me, how they hurt me. He could have been sitting around all his life. Oh, the mercy, Lord, they told me. My daddy don't know where I am. He thinks I'm, I'm dead. Lord, you just, you just, you wronged me. And I don't know why I have to cry sometime. I don't know why I have to sigh sometime. I don't know why all this is going wrong. Just sitting around, pitiful, Lord, what am I going to do? No. Joseph pulled himself together as a slave and became the best slave. <laughs> oh, help me, Holy Ghost. He became the best slave. He worked with what he had and used what he had. Okay, you're in prison. You can't get out. Now, why are you going to go hurt somebody in jail? And you're already in jail. That didn't get you out. I'm talking to some of you inmates. Why you want to have a gang in there and a gang is what got you in trouble? A gang is what got you in there. Why you want to go hurt somebody? Because hurting somebody is what got you behind bars. You don't need to be in there trying to cause trouble. You need to be in there trying to do better. That's what you need to be trying to do. That's, you're in a mess. So how are you going to deal with mess? Getting messy? No. Take advantage of a disadvantage. 
take advantage of what's going on and become better. You got to understand where I'm going. You don't need, you might find a way out. You don't know what they might do. Even if you got life in prison, at least you ought to be able to say, well, I am going to make the best of these bad days in here. That I am not going to be locked up on the outside and inside. You might be locked up on the outside, but don't get locked up on the inside. I think being in prison on the inside is worse than being in prison on the outside. Where am I going? Joseph knew how to handle Joseph. Joseph didn't let nothing steal his identity as of who he was. Joseph knew how to strategize and not keep wiggling in a mess, but wiggling out of a mess by being kind, doing his job, showing that he can handle whatever situation he's in and still do good. You know what? I need to throw this out here for free. Sometimes you can be in a wrong place, but not being wrong. Sometimes wrong can come to you, but you were not wrong. And not being wrong sometimes can get you in wrong. Did you get that? Not being wrong can get you in wrong places. So sometimes you can be doing the right thing. You're not wrong and end up in a wrong place. Wow, that's deep itself. So what do you do when you're not wrong and end up wrong? Well, you take advantage of what you got and keep not being wrong. You didn't do nothing wrong to get in this wrong. You know, you could be just picking somebody up and meant no harm on the street and they get in the car with you and you're riding down the street and the cops stop and they're after somebody. But then they stop, the two of you, and they search the person that got in your car and he has cocaine and you didn't have any. Now you went wrong, but now you're in a wrong situation. What happened? They locked both of you up. And you said, I didn't do anything. I just picked this guy up as a friend. So what are you going to do? You don't get out fighting the cops. Or, I didn't do nothing. Don't be talking to me like that. That's the worst thing you want to do is disrespect a cop. I'm talking to all you people that sometimes get in trouble. When I see some of you all on TV, how you're talking back to officer and screaming, don't put your hands on me. You don't do those things. You call somebody to shoot you. you you're trying to make wrong worse. Respect the law. I was stopped by a cop and I didn't know it. I made a wrong turn and he said, uh, drove up to me, give me your license. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It said, uh, give me that. I was very careful making sure I had my hand nowhere else but reaching straight for that. I used both hands and opened the glove department and got my bill folded and held it up so I'm not thinking that he's thinking that I'm reaching down or nothing. Gave him my license, kept my hands up on my steering wheel. And when he asked me, I said, no, sir. I said, I'm very sorry, sir. I didn't know. I, I really was in a hurry, and I really didn't pay attention. I didn't yield. He said, you didn't yield. I just kept going. And it wasn't very hard, but in one stop, I didn't have my seatbelt on. Well, I was in the wrong, but the point is, now get, you don't try to get hostile with the cops like you're in charge. That man has a weapon on him, and he's the law. Am I helping somebody? Look, you got to do the right thing.
And Joseph knew Joseph. He wasn't going to get in there and get hostile because he's in prison. He took advantage of what he had left. And what that is, as it said, he served. He served. He didn't talk back to the master. I ain't supposed to be doing this. You ain't hired me to do that. Baby, when you want a job, you better shut up and do what they tell you to do. You're not slaving. You're just working. You can't be choicy when you need money. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody? That's probably why you don't have no job. Because you go there too sarcastic. You got to remember, you got rent to pay. You got car note to pay. You got bills to pay. You don't have time for all this egocentric stuff and talking about what you don't want to do and ain't going to do. Look, I don't care what they have me doing as long as I'm getting my money. Because I'm going there for my money. I need a job. Some of y'all want a job, but no work. Oh, oh, God. A lot of people want a job, but no work. Listen, friend. Joseph said, I got a job, and I'm going to work. Some folk, as I repeat, want a job, but no work. And what happened? Because he was in a mess, he knew there was no way out of that mess. That man worked hard. I tell you something, prosper people always work hard. Lazy people stay broke. Lazy people don't ever prosper. When you look at some of the wealthiest people, and I've been around a few rich millionaires, and I always ask them, how'd you get all this wealth? You know what they tell me? All of them tell me, hard work, real. Hard work. I said, really? Oh, you don't know how I used to be, how broke I was and how I slept in the street. I look at Tyler Perry, for example. Here's a man who was homeless one time, raised up in New Orleans, come here homeless, and now he's a multi-millionaire, billionaire maybe. Look, talk about my dear. He took that talent and he, 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 he shook up this country around the world with this comedy. And look, now he's making movies, got plays, got a place right up street from our church. He just bought some $20 million property or more. And look what this man did. And we talked to him. He said, I, I was in a mess. I was homeless, but I didn't get messy. I kept working hard. I kept using what I had. I used the talent I had. I knew I could make people laugh and funny. Hard work. And you know what? He said, Reverend, it's just as hard for me now as it was to get here. I had to work hard to keep my money when I had to work hard to get it. And all rich folks tell me that it's hard to keep your money. I think we just heard from our president here, uh, Mr. Trump, say the other day that he's beginning to find out how hard it is to be the president. They were just saying that on the news the other day. He said, I didn't know it was this difficult. I have no life now of my own. Really, I can't drive a car. They won't let me go nowhere alone. I can't walk the street. I can't jog. I can't do nothing. I said to myself, I wonder can he use bathroom <laughs> without somebody? Probably not. Probably somebody standing there to allow nobody. Wow. Listen, friend. Now he's seeing that running his company is different from running the nation. 
It's hard. No wonder. I've been to two presidents. I've been around two presidents. I was invited to the White House with Jimmy Carter, uh, president, and I was invited to the White House with President Clinton. You can go on our website and look at it on YouTube or whatever, and you see me standing there with Mr. Clinton. And I had this conversation privately with him, and he was telling me the hard work of being the president. You may get three or four hours of sleep. You got to get up. Mr. Carter told me uh, he had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. One said he can only get four hours of sleep. Big corporation coming in at 6 o'clock in the morning from everywhere, all the Coca-Cola, all these big places coming in. The president got to meet with them all day long. Then he'd take a little hour or two of lunch, and then he got a luncheon and another meeting. Then he got all these meetings in the, afternoon, in the afternoon. I'm sorry for rushing. I'm just trying to hurry. But here's the problem. That's why they get old quick. You know why? It's hard work. And if you work hard, you get blessed. But if you're lazy, you're not going nowhere because you're looking for a handout. And I don't know what it is about this generation. All these young people kind of shaking me up today from when I was coming along. We had to work hard to get nickels and dimes. Maybe technology and all this stuff, this advancement that you all got. When I was a student at Morehouse, we had to stand in line eight hours to get registered. Now you can go online and register. And technology has done all this, but it's also making some folk lazy. And that's the danger of this generation. They're not even exercising. Yes, kids are playing on the games all day long, but they're sitting there in front of a computer all day long. True but they're not moving this body. They're not running, they're not jogging, they're not playing sports. And this, that's why so many kids getting cancer and diabetes. They're not doing nothing. We, you got to get this work ethic going. Machines put people out of work, by the way. Technology is doing a lot of this danger to these young people. And they come on these jobs and they think they ought to just get a paycheck for free. But America's built on hard work and other countries work hard. Hard work will get you somewhere. I'm a hard worker here at our church. I don't lie around. I get up and come over here every day. If I'm not out of time, I'm here at my ministry. I don't sit around. I come to see it. Who's going to see it, your thing like you? Nobody is going to see about your house like you. You got to be there. Hard work. Jesus said, work while it's day because night cometh when no man can work. Joseph came out of a mess because he wasn't sitting around on welfare. Now, I'm not against welfare. I'm against folk who will fare well on welfare, by the way. Welfare is a great thing. It is not just black people. There's more Caucasian people and other people of other races more welfare than black Afro-Americans. So yeah, a lot of folk is on welfare. It's supposed to be designed to help the sick and the, and the handicapped and things like this, but we got to put people back to work, but how are we going to put them back to work? We got to first go back to the cause of the problem. They need to be educated. That's one of the things that they should have done when they freed the slaves. They should have made every one of them go to school and not leave them hanging out there because ignorance is dangerous. And now you got to deal with a bunch of folk who don't know what to do. Have been trained. We got to have funding to get these, give these kids a free college education. Some countries are doing that. The kids can't come up with the money. What about the slow learner? You can't make him be a fast learner when he's slow. They need to be tutoring. They need to be programmed. The government needs to, to help the people 
get on their feet and then give them a job and make them work. But then you can't cripple a man and then get mad with him for walking with a crutch. You crippled him. Listen, friend, we got to get this work at Joe's up, work hard. But whatever situation you're in, do your best. And that's how he got promoted. He made the best out of a mess. Let me tell you something else, how to make the best out of a mess, lest I be too long here. You got to see beyond where you are. You have to have a vision of the future. You can't just look at, I'm in jail now. You have to look at, I'm coming out. I will be free. I know I will. You have to have your faith build up. See, faith will help you build up something in you to never give in. Your faith got to believe in God and you. You first got to have faith in you. Now, a lot of you all out there have faith in God, but you don't have no faith in you. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. All you do is sit there and read the Bible and look at TV shows and Christian TV shows, by the way, night and day. God didn't tell you to do that. God told you to witness. Listen, that's not the work of the church. Listen, my friend, how many doors you knocked on? How many people you tried to witness to? That's the work of the church. Some of us doing church work, but not the work of the church. Frying fish, cooking ch chicken and dinners for the church, that's church work. That's not the work of the church. The work of the church is witnessing. So you all you do is sit there. No, that's not it. That's not going to do it. You got faith in God, but you don't have no faith in you. So you sit there and not prospering. You got to have faith in you too. You got to believe in God and believe in you. Is that helping somebody? You have to pick yourself up and say to yourself, oh, I'm not going to just sit here. I'm going to get this house. I'm going to get this car. I'm going to get these things. I see it because God promised it to me. I received that confirmation, and I'm going to work to it. You know, some prophet come to town and tell you, I see you're going to get this big house. You fall out on the floor, and you think it's just going to come like that. But he didn't tell you how you're going to get it. And that's where, that's where it's tricky. He didn't tell you how you're going to get it. He didn't tell you you might have to work two jobs. He didn't tell you you're going to have to budget that you can't buy everything. You got to change your lifestyle. You can't just have all these fine cars and then have all this nice house. He may tell you, well, I mean, you have to use your car and then get you a new house. You don't have the money to buy two new things. He didn't tell you you got to push back on this to get that. Yes, it's there, but, you know, when God freed the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they got across in the enemy territory. God showed them some place. And you know the Bible said, God said, now take it. Take it. They had to fight for it. Oh, God, you said you're going to lead us in. Oh, yeah, that is. Go get it. Fight. Oh, I, I don't think you got that. You have to believe that your future is there. Have faith. 
but you got to see something beyond where you are. Joseph said to himself, and I'm telling you, he did not see the prison going to be his life forever. Or he wouldn't have interpreted nobody's dream. He said, this is just the beginning. Where I'm going, I'm going to the top. And I'm going to work hard and do the right thing because this is not my destiny. I have a better future. He had his faith. You know what? He had, the, he had his eyeglasses. You know, faith is like having your eyeglasses on. Without my glasses, I can't hardly see certain things around me. I can see, but I can't read it like I used to when I was younger. Oh, let me put on my glasses. Oh, wow. Man, even this camera looks clear now. Wow. You know what? Some of you right now, you can't see nothing because you don't have your glasses on. Put on your faith glasses. And then you can see what you couldn't see. You can look at your old house burning down and say, yes, but I see a brand new one tomorrow. You can look at your pink slip in your hand and put on your glass and, yes, I see another job tomorrow. You can look at your bad health and the doctor said something, you won't be here but a few days, but said, and put on my glass. Oh, wow, I see I'm healed tomorrow. You can look at a desert today and say it's dry. Oh, God, it looks bad. Put on your glasses. Wow, I see a flower garden. So faith enables you to see what your physical eye cannot see. Faith is your spiritual eyeglasses. Put on your glasses, baby, and you'll see something God got for you that you can look beyond confusion and see peace, look beyond filth and see cleanliness. And that's what Joseph did. He made the best of his mess because he saw something better than where he was. Am I helping somebody? Help me, Holy Ghost. My old pastor, Reverend Borders, used to say, help me, Holy Ghost. Save man, church. I want to tell you something else. You can make the best of a mess when you know that the God we serve can deal with messy situations. <laughs> God, my God, he's not messy, but God can handle a mess. God can use mess. You don't believe that? Look at the life of Moses. Moses was in a mess, but God took his mess, even when he killed an Egyptian, ended up on the backside of the desert and felt he was in a mess, all gone, God showed up in a burning bush and said, oh yeah, you think you messy, you think you forgotten. I'm about to use you in your messy situation. God took Moses and sent him back to the people he was running from. I like to say he left as a fugitive and went back as a prosecuting attorney. Oh, watch out preachers, I know you're shouting now, I wanna preach. God sent him back. He used him. God can use messy folk. Well, you know, the Bible even used a whore for the spies. And if you search the lineage of Christ, go back to her, by the way. God can use messy situation. The dry bones in the valley was a mess. And Ezekiel felt it was hopeless. But God asked him, can these bones live? If 
Ezekiel had been sarcastic, he would have tried to say, well, yes, if we can go home and study about these bones and study what did this, they can live. No, Ezekiel was smart. He must have been a politician. He said, only you know. <laughs> you better put it back in God's hand when you can't handle it, baby. Because God was waiting on his response. Can these bones live again? Testing Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was smart. Only you know. Some things only God knows. When God took these messy bones and made a living army, God is a God of the messy. Is your life a mess? Is things busted all around you? Just scattered all around you? You scattered? Mind scattered, personality scattered, bills around you, family scattered. God can step in and say, hear ye the word of the Lord and bring bones together. God can bring you back together because he's a God of the messy folks. And I'm a living witness. I've been in a messy situation all man was in a mess. He went a mess because God deals with messy situation. He sent his son. God so loved the world, he didn't send no committee. God so loved the world, he didn't write no resolution. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came here to get us out of a mess. Got among mess. To reach mess. To get mess beyond mess. God can take you in the potter's house where you've been busted up and mold you back together. Because he's a God of the messy situation. Focus on God to deal with a mess. And that's what Joseph did because the Bible said he kept his eyes on God. He pleased the Lord. He pleased the Lord, and his Lord enabled him to please his master. Now, right, let's go on here now. Just about done here. I want to tell you this. If you want to make the best of a mess, create happiness around you. If you're in an unhappy situation, make yourself happy. Well, how do you make yourself happy? Do things that you like to do to help you from going crazy. Some people in a situation, they can't go nowhere. They're in a situation, they can't run. They, they don't believe in running. So what do you got to do? Do some things to make you feel good about you. Do some things that make you happy. I know an old lady that I buried here, she was over 100 years old. She had outlived all her children and husband. And she took liking to a dog. The dog was called Poncetta. She loved that dog so much. That dog was probably that high, big German Shepherd. She would get her check every month and she would go buy the dog steaks, buy the dog ice cream. <laughs> I was asking her, what are you doing? And she said, I'm buying baby, I'm buying my baby some food. I said, you mean you're not buying you these steaks? No, I'm buying it for Poncetta. And yes, that dog made her happy 
And that dog would eat you up if you went near her. Mother Perino. Oh, my, my members remember her. I think she lived to be about 107 or 8 years old. I'm not sure. But it was way over 100. She lived that long. She found something to love. And, you know, they have said old people live longer to have pets. Now, I know some of you are all so mean. I understand that. You, you just you gotten old and grouchy and mean and fussy. And that's why you're so mean. You don't love nothing. <laughs> Amen. You got you to grow old gracefully, not grow old bitter because you're getting old. You, listen, can't nobody get no younger than you've been. When young people talking about you old, you, talk, you got something on them. You know what that is? You can't get no younger than I've been, and you may not get as old as I am. You got something on young people when you live that long. They may not make it, but they can't get no younger than you've been. Grow old and happy that you outlive some folk. <laughs> Woo! You better be thankful you even woke up and knew you were waking up. Don't go complain about what's happening to your body. Just be glad you woke up. And my heaven, learn how to find happiness. That, that dog kept her living. She had something to live for. I used to love Dr. Shuler. Oh, I, I love Dr. Shuler, and I love hearing Dr. Stanley sometimes. I tell you, Dr. Shuler and Dr. Stanley, they grabbed me, and I could sit there and don't want to move. I love Dr. Shuler, but see, in his own unique way, they say, what is happiness? Happiness is having something to do. Oh, boy, I could melt. <laughs> He's gone on with the Lord. I loved him. I could just sit there and listen to him. Dr. Statler is another one of my favorites. He has a unique gift. He can just keep flowing, just keep flowing, and just keep, just have me on the edge of my seat, just listening. What's next? It's just always. Some people, God has, all of us got different gifts. But there's some I just like listening to, and I don't want to say nothing, but they listen to. But you know what Dr. Schutler said? Happiness is having something to do. That you don't ever go to bed and not knowing what you're going to wake up for. You need to go to bed knowing you're going to wake up to something, to do something. Oh, I'm running out of time. But look, find some way to make yourself happy. If I don't care if it ain't about getting up in the morning, doing a good early morning walk, when you retire, get up and walk, you go to bed when you want to and get up when you please. But find something you like to do. Make yourself happy around these evil folk. Read, read books. Be writing a book if you're in jail. It might become a bestseller. Try to create things. You might find a cure to some of these diseases. And it might get you out. Don't waste your time. Use your time. Mandela stayed in prison, what, 27 years. Locked up on the outside, but not locked up on the inside. He was free internally. Use. Find something to make you happy in an unhappy situation. Now, you know what? Uh, I don't have a problem with you like watching certain stories. If that makes you happy, get up and watch that. You at home, you, it's your blessing, you can do it. You don't have to go to work. Watch your favorite story, just cook for your husband, amen. <laughs> don't burn up the food. Cook early and then all my stuff room. sit down. Find something, you gotta have outlet. A lot of people don't realize in the Afro-American community why we so emotional and they, 
and, and Caucasian people get turned off, and that's okay. It's not how you worship, it's who you worship. Some people have different way of worshiping church. Some like to shout, run up down the aisle and praise God. Some like to sit and quiet and don't want to move. That's your preference. That's fine. You're getting the word each way you go to. You can sit still and tell a lie, and then you can open your mouth and tell a lie. You don't know you don't have to tell a lie to say nothing. All you have to do is bow your head and still lie. Or then you can open your mouth loud and lie. See? So you can sit still and be the devil. You can be shouting and be the devil. You can sit still and be a Christian, and you can shout and be a Christian. God doesn't have no problem. We have the problem. But in the Afro-American community, it's about how they survive. People shouted. I came up in that era, and I know about the racism, and I know about the lynching. I saw that in my hometown in Macon, Georgia, when I was a kid. And I remember going to the white signs and the black signs and recall color. And we couldn't go in certain places. We were not integrated. I, we got integrated my 12th year in high school. So I know about those days. But listen, church was all we had to let out in at one time. That we didn't have no freedom to go nowhere else. So church was more than just having church. Church was more than just going there to talk to God and praise God. Church was an outlet. And a lot of white people don't understand that's why what mold, you know, African people, preachers don't preach the way some of us preach. They black too. But it's the cultures, what they were brought up in. So we developed this tuning and the hooping and the hollering as a form of rhythm. Because it was cold connection. It was a giving out of cold. The preacher had the same preaching giving codes. <laughs> if you studied all this, but that singing got into preaching so that the singing could communicate with the singing slaves. And all of it was an outlet. How are you going to survive somebody beating and selling your children and killing if you didn't have an outlet? It was the way they survived. Still the way some surviving. Outlet. They shouted. They got it out. They didn't hold it in. And sometimes people have to trying to keep up with their identity. The only thing that's different in the Jews and the Afro-American Jews kept up with their identity. I don't care how they've been treated, they didn't forget their heritage and their forefathers' teaching. That's what was robbed from us. We have lost our identity. We don't know ourselves. We don't know that we came from kings and queens when we were captured as slaves. We were royal people. And we lost our identity. And when you don't know your identity, you don't know who you are. So you try to be somebody else you can't be. Then you start hating what you are and the way you are. You don't know who you are. We got to study this deeply. It's about identity. And the Jews kept up with their identity. They know their forefathers. They know the Old Testament. And we have lost that. We need to find out who you are. And that's one thing I need to say about Joseph. He knew he was a slave, but he knew who he was. <laughs> he didn't lose his God and his identity. I'm talking some deep stuff here now. Find something to do to survive. Is that making sense? Now, I got about one more point I want to bring out here. If you are in a bad mess, like Joseph was in, don't roll over and die because death is breathing in your face.
You don't have to die because death was whispering in your ear. You don't have to die because death, you can feel his breath on your face. That's just the shadow of death. The shadow of a thief doesn't steal. It just tells you he's there. A shadow of a dog doesn't bite. It just tells you he's around. Just because the doctor said you don't have but a few days to live doesn't mean you finna die. But if you roll over and just die, kill yourself, bring yourself down thinking bad thoughts and seeking revenge, you will die early. Listen to me. Don't you die until something kills you. You fight to live. Don't roll over and give in. Go to some healing service. Go to all of them. That was one time a girl was, a young 12-year-old girl got sick and she got cancer to make the story short and the parents tried to do everything to save her, that nobody could help her. The, the cancer, they say, was eating away all the tissue in this little 12-year-old girl. And the poor little girl couldn't walk anymore, was in a wheelchair. And somebody took them to Catherine Kuhlman's service. Well, the parents didn't even know Catherine Kuhlman, but they took her. They said, go to the healing service. I don't believe in all that. When you're desperate, do what you have to do. When you're bad enough, you better believe in something. A lot of you all out there don't believe in anointing, but get in bad enough shape. You, you believe in it then. Some of you don't believe in church, but let something bad happen. You'll start going. But listen what happened. The parents didn't want to go, but these religious people who believe in healing and miracles kept telling them, come, we're taking you to the service. So the mother finally got up with the husband, took the daughter there who was in a wheelchair, to this healing service at Catherine Kuhlman. I believe in my heart now, I'm just me talking. I think two of the most, most powerful women that ever lived was Catherine Kuhlman and Juanita Bynum. Strange women to themselves, like Paul. They, did, they have time for marriage and time to settle down and be a mother. They're so powerful in the anointing. There's a price when you go that high in the anointing. Catherine Kuhlman, we don't see much of her grave site. She didn't want to be talked about in a grave. She didn't care for all that stuff. But one of the most powerful women ever lived and the most powerful black woman I ever met, whether you like it or not, to me, is Juanita Bynum. There's something unique about this woman's power and her anointing. But there's always a price for the anointing. But they took this woman to Catherine I, I, Bynum has preaching anointing. And Catherine Kuhlman had healing anointing. Two powerful women, if you do a study on them, they sold out to God. And listen, that is a price. Catherine Kuhlman walks in and says, somebody's healed over here in a wheelchair of cancer. Well, the parents didn't want to tell the girl she had cancer. They didn't want her to know. So the mother said to the daughter, claim it. The girl just looked. And she came back. They didn't move. She came back and another said, Catherine said, uh, someone is being healed right in this section of cancer. Stand up now. Said a girl all of a sudden said, Mama, I want to stand. They look, you want to stand? I feel like I can stand. She stood right up. Been in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. She said, Mama, I feel like I can walk. 
and one of the persons who were working for Catherine Kuma came by and saw her said, go on stage and tell her. She got up, walked, this is true. She got up and walked, ran up the stage and went to running and felt no pain and came back later and they had on Catherine Kuhlman's show. Doctors couldn't find nothing. Now some of you all don't believe in that, but if you are Christian, you believe in the acts of the early church that they did it. Nobody said God stopped doing that but man. God never said he, he stopped healing. That's man's talk. Listen, you don't roll over and die because that, go to healing service, eat right. I eat to my blood type and deal with diabetes. I had all no medicine yet. It's been 15 years. Keep my weight down. Have to, that eating to your blood type is a form of dieting. Did you know that? Find out what your blood type is and then go online and find out what foods you don't supposed to eat. You know, you fight to live. You don't roll over in a mess. You got to handle a mess. And listen, friend, and drink a lot of water. If I eat something sweet, I may drink me two glasses of water behind it. I dilute it. <laughs> Instead of taking medicine, I take my water is God's blessing. Water is God's miracles. And you eat that garlic. Yeah, eat that garlic for high blood. Eat a raw garlic in the morning on the empty stomach. Fight high blood. Go read and research about what's in that garlic, that little old garlic clove. All right. Now, listen, friend, the woman that was had an issue of blood didn't roll over and die because she was dying. The Bible says she went to all the doctors. She kept getting worse, but she kept trying. And finally, she heard about the real doctor in town. Yes, Jesus. And she didn't sit down and say, well, I tried all these I've had. Been sick 12 years. That doctor over there didn't do nothing. That doctor over there, I ain't going nowhere. I'm tired of them. I'm broke. I don't have no money anyhow. But something spoke to her. I think doubt told her, stay home. You can't go down there. Face came in and said, so what? The one you need to go see, not asking for no money. And doubt told her, woman, don't go down there getting in that crowd. You're going to be laughed at. Face said, You've been laughed at before. Go. Doubt told the woman, you're crazy. They're going to say you're crazy. You know you can't do that. Faith said, they always said you're crazy. Go on and do something crazy. Doubt told the woman, yeah, but you're not supposed to touch a rabbi. And a rabbi, you're not supposed to put your hands on him. Faith said, Go down there and try anyhow. Touch them till they stop you. Doubt said, woman, the doctor told you to stay out of a crowd. It's bad for you. Faith said, it's not always in a crowd. You got to grip beyond the crowd. Push your way through. Doubt said, the doctor told you to be still. Faith said, there's another doctor saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I give you rest. Doubt said, you got to walk what you can, you can't walk. Faith said, lean on Jesus. Doubt said, woman, don't you touch that man? Faith said, touch him. Doubt said, woman, don't you touch that man? Faith said, touch him. Doubt said, doctor, don't you, don't you, don't you know? Faith said, touch him, touch him, touch him, touch him, touch him. She touched him. 
all her blood dried up. Jesus said, somebody touch me. There's always a somebody among all the bodies. Getting me happy now, I'm going to preach. Oh, am I talking to somebody? Help the Holy Ghost. Woo, you don't lie down and give in because people said give in. Don't you die till something kill you. You make the best of a mess. You know what? I don't say this. Thank you for another email from heaven. Sometimes God have to let you get in a mess to get you out of a mess. You know that? Sometimes a mess is the best teaching to keep you out of a mess. In other words, sometimes you got to get in trouble to stay out of trouble. The reason why some of you keep getting in trouble, you've never been in trouble, and find out what trouble is. So when you really get yourself locked up in jail and see what it's like when they lock you up and you can't come out, maybe next time you stay out of there. <laughs> because you're going to say, I'm not going back in there around those fools. Going around playing crazy will get you around crazy people. Then you'll really get in a crazy place and go crazy. <laughs> and it's bad when crazy folk call you crazy. <laughs> it's bad when a fool call you a fool, isn't it? You'll become a real fool if you keep acting fool and you'll be in there where fools are. Then you'll know don't be acting fool. Am I talking to somebody today? Sometimes God has to let you get in a mess to keep you out of a mess so you become bigger than the mess. And the only way you're going to learn to stop being messy and getting in mess is maybe you need to just get in a real mess that God permits you to get in to bring a, get you to a level and an education you never had. And sometimes God will let you get in a mess to bring out what's in you. Somebody say a child will bring out what's in you, what's in you. <laughs> I'm sure you know these little kids will have you saying things. People know you don't talk that way, won't they? A kid, a hard-headed kid will make you say things in public. <laughs> won't they bring out of you some things you say, Lord, I thought I was delivered. Boy, they'll have you fussing in public. And you know you're not supposed to be screaming at that kid in public. Sit yourself down. Talk all that. Why? <laughs> a kid will bring out of you some stuff you try to hide. Well, you know what? God will bring out of you some things he wants to come out of you. I close with this like a lemon. A lemon, the only way you can get the juice out is to squeeze it. Watch it now. This is what trouble does to a child of God. God know you have something wonderful in you. Nobody don't see it. So he'll take you like a lemon. He'll cut off a part of you with trials, tribulations, and death, and finance, financial difficulties, storms. He, that's that knife. He's cutting off a little piece of you. Now he finna squeeze you with his omnipotent hand with trials and tribulation. And what's coming out of you? Juice. The only way God can get some things out of some of us, he has to squeeze it because if you just take a lemon and hold it up, nothing coming out. So God said, I got to squeeze you to bring the juice out. Are you getting this? 
And hey, I've been squeezed. Can you, can you lift your hand and say, yes, I've been squeezed? Who's squeezing you? God. God finna bring out. Hey, when, when, when they lie on you and you keep on loving them, tell them that's my juice, baby. Tell them that's juice. When the devil come tell you to give up and you rebuke them and you keep going, that's my juice coming out. When the devil come at you and tell you to quit shouting in church and you get up and shout in the high, tell them that ain't nothing but my juice you see. That's juice. When the devil tell you don't say nothing in church and you get up and say hallelujah, that's my juice. When the devil tell me don't preach and I get up there and preach to the top of my voice, baby, I want you to look at my juice. That's my juice. That's my preaching juice. I, I know some preachers shouting right now. This Doc, I'm going to use that thing. <laughs> That's all right. We all learn from each other, right? Nothing is original but the original. Hey, when I don't give up and I keep in my mess, I don't make no mess, but in my mess, I look to God and he's squeezing me. That's my juice. Lord, don't put no more on me than I can, that I can bear. I'm going to bear it. Juice coming out. But you know what? Here's the good part about it. When God gets through squeezing me and getting all the prayer juice out of me and all the praise juice out of me and all the hallelujah juice out of me, I'm finna make some lemonade. And God's taking all my lemon juice. And I'm finna give somebody some lemonade. In other words, I'm going to share with you what I've gone through with and be a blessing in somebody's life. Did you enjoy this today? Well, look, I want you to share it. You know what? I have some other things to say, but the old preacher said, I'm going to quit, but I'm not through. <laughs> I'm not through. I'm just going to quit because I'm too long, and I get carried away when God, hey, I really just looked at a little outline. I just let God use me today and put in the feeling. Amen. You got the, you got the text. You got the, you got the subject, the four points and conclusion. And I want you to learn from Joseph. He held on to God and didn't make no, he took the, made the best of a mess, and his mess, I told you sometime God gave you a mess to promote him. And I could hear Joseph, he became secretary of because he became second ruler in Egypt when his brothers who were messy thought they'd gotten rid of him. Twenty years went by. There was a famine in Egypt. And they had to go buy corn. And guess who they had to meet to get the corn from? They saw Joseph. They didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. When God get through with you, you won't look like what you've been through. And they had to come back to the man they sold that they thought was dead. And this is what Joseph said when he saw his brother. He said, I'm not going to kill you all. He, he identified himself and they were stung. He said, you know what? You meant for bad. God meant for good. And here's what he said. If you hadn't hated me, you wouldn't have sold me. If you hadn't sold me, 
I wouldn't have ended up in my master's part of her house. If I hadn't ended up in that house, part of her wife wouldn't have tempted me and told her lie on me and said I tried to rape her. If she hadn't lied, I wouldn't have been put in prison. If I hadn't been in prison, I wouldn't have met the baker and the butler who were Pharaoh's servants. And when I hadn't been in there to meet them, I wouldn't have interpreted their dreams and saw what was their blessing and destruction. And if the butler and the baker had not seen me, and when one finally the butler got up there to Pharaoh, when Pharaoh had a dream, I wouldn't have met Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And if I hadn't met Pharaoh and interpreted his dream, I wouldn't be second ruler in Egypt. So listen, God can take your mess and promote you. And sometimes it takes some hard times to put you to another level. Can you say praise God? Can you say thank you, Jesus? Can you, can you lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I'm free. I'm free from me. I will let myself go. I will honor you. I will take the mess coming to me. I have to take it to make it. I'm not getting weak. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to get crazy. I'm not going to let the enemy fool me. I'm going to focus on you, Lord. I'm coming through this mess. I'm coming out of this mess. And when I come through it and out of it, I give you the glory. I give you the glory, Lord. For praises is how you handle a mess. Start praising God. Hallelujah. 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 I dare you to praise God. And in your mess, he will bless you. Keep praising him. Listen, friend. Oh, I feel a little anointing in here. Listen, friend, do you feel something? I just felt it. Because when praises go up, not money come down, houses come down, blessings come down. That might include that, but you get blessed. Then you can handle depression. Oh, listen, words from a senior pastor. This ought to go viral today. It can go. You just share it. Somebody need to hear this. Making the best of a bad mess. Somebody is in a mess. Somebody need to hear this message. They're human. I don't care how famous, you're still human. You spread the gospel by just sharing it. You, you touching somebody by sharing it. And I want you to share this message. I, listen. I done been around the world five times. I'm not trying to get popular. I done been on BET, Word Network, and everywhere else for years. And I'm getting, as I get older now, I don't want to do nothing but be a blessing. I'm not preaching to get famous no more. <laughs> I done won awards from GMW or whatever you call it. And Stella, I won an award on what jealous would do, what the biggest award, spoken word. Stella was a GMW, became a Stella. I have had the spotlight. I'm not looking for that. I just love what I'm doing now, just sitting here looking at you talking. 
look, if you want to make a contribution, I'm not asking for no money. You give it to my church so I can keep spreading, become a partner. Some of you might want to give a contribution. I'm worried about pastor. Church taking care of me. I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm not trying to get rich. I just want to be comfortable and, and do what God said do. Praise God today. Make a donation to the ministry. See, I've but blessed by what you said, you saved my life. You saved me from killing myself. You did, your words lifted me. Go listen to my other sermons on there about no pain, no gain. There's a lot of them on words from a senior pastor. And I like that last one. When they count it out, become the counted on. Go look at that. It's on Facebook. When they count it out, become the counted on. They counted Jesus out, but then they later had to count on it. It's about a resurrection story. And the one that really went viral, how to have a healthy self-image. You might find that on there. It's a lot of them. Somebody been telling me I need to put them into a book form or something. But hey, go on YouTube, look at them. Go on Facebook and look at them. Go on Mount Carmel Facebook page, Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Face, face, it could be M-T or M-O-U-N-T, Mount Carmel Baptist Church Facebook my Facebook, but I'm limited. I'm told of so many as my friends, they say it's maxed out. Well, go on Mount Carmel Facebook and listen to these words from a senior pastor. Some of them are on YouTube like today. And listen, it's going to heal you. Preaching is great, but you know what? We preach them in, but we got to teach them to keep them in. And look, I want you to share this. I want the world, I've heard that people in Europe are listening to this. This is a side of me I never did. I, I was always known for being a preacher and the preaching is what I love most, but I've just recent years started becoming more into teaching. And that's what's working today. People love teaching. So this is the difference. I preach on Sunday morning. Sometimes I teach, but Wednesday night, you come on Wednesday night, you're gonna hear me teaching like this, but get both if you like preaching you like teaching, come worship with us at our church. I have church every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We're here at 2755 Camerton Road here in Southwest Atlanta, Georgia. We're not very far from Greenbrier Mall, okay? So you come over here, 2755 Camerton Road. Uh, you can check us out on our website, that's mcbcmatl.org. I think I'm saying that right. That's probably information right up there before you how you can go on our website and check us out. That's where MCBC, that's for Mount Carmel Baptist Church, mcbcatl.org. You can go online, read up more about our ministry, read up more about us and what we do. And you can also, if you're looking for any of my sermons, I have an Amazon store now. A lot of people have been looking for some of my sermons that I've been preaching down through the years, snakes in the church, what jealousy would do, the drunk church, holding on to heaven when hell is on your back, just to name a few of the sermons out there that's been award winners. And you'll find a lot of my sermons and my old camp meeting. Yes, I'm that preacher walking around with those overalls on singing. Yes, you can find that preserving that music during Black History Month. Go on YouTube, see a lot of my sermons and, and songs on YouTube now. But also, if you're looking for my products, since so many stores are going out of record stores, going out of business, now you go on our Amazon store, go online, go type my name in, go online to my Amazon store. You'll find all my sermons, 
you'll find all my music. But you can also go to cdbaby.com and you can go online and order a lot of my music. Not sermons, but all my music, old camp meetings. You know that's something out there called Reverend Fleming's Greatest Hits? That being a combination of all of my, some of my hit songs. It's two CDs in that package called the Reverend Fleming Greatest Hits. They compile some of my best songs and put them on two CDs. You can get that online, my greatest hits. Just to name it, one of my last recordings called Something New. Most people don't know about that. Got a lot of great reviews. I'm taking old stuff, singing it kind of a little modern, you know. It's, it's a different style of me. Some jazzy, some kind of a, a upbeat music. Two young men came in here and grabbed me and put me in the studio and said, we want to show another side of you that the world has not seen other than old camp meeting. And they got in there and got me around there when I went to playing around with my voice with them. And, you know, I had no idea. It probably was, is my best recording. It's called Something New. I have a press CD out. Did you know it? It's number one in Maker. They wake up every morning playing my prayers. For all you radio announcers that were looking for some prayers to put on your radio station, you call us here at the church and we'll send that to you free. So you'll play it. Or you can go on YouTube and download my prayers and put them on your radio station. Some of my sermons can be downloaded and put on your radio stations now, okay? But you can go to cdbaby.com and go online and order them yourself. And they'll send it straight to your house. How about that? CD Baby and Amazon Store. You can also go to iTunes and download some of my music now. It's out there. Just go look for it. Okay? Can't go to stores. All of them, so many of them closed. But now we provided that online. Now, don't forget, come worship with me. We have service here at Camelton Row every Sunday at 9 a.m. We have gone to one service. We don't have 745 and 1030 no more. We have a 9 o'clock service. We just started that this year, and my members love it. We love it. Getting out around 1130, 1115, 1130, I know they were going to like that. They shocked me. My members are crazy about this early morning 9 o'clock service. I didn't think they were coming, but they come, and they like going. People don't like staying in church long now. I think it's because of technology. Technology has changed us in a lot of ways. People just don't like staying in church all day no more like they used to. Well, we stayed in there all day because there wasn't nowhere else to go. <laughs> Amen. So now they like to get out and go shopping and go to, I love these Sunday's brunch. Some time my wife and I go to these nice Sunday's brunch downtown before they close on Sunday right out the church. Loving it. And yay, get into it. Come over and worship with us at 9 a.m. You don't come over here after 11 o'clock. We'll be gone. <laughs> we'll be gone. So. I want to also say this, our other location, our mother church, where we reopened it a few years ago, doing very well with that. You can come visit us at 768 Martin Street. And now our new service time there is 8 a.m. Starting Sunday, come to Summer Hill, 768 Martin Street at 8 o'clock. 
our service. We, we're going to have service from 8 to 9.30. We want to be out at 9.30. Says one hour and a half church service. Just praise. I don't have no choirs over there. Just praise team. Powerful young people. Praise and worship and the word. Praise, worship, and the word. Because some members still like Sunday school, so we're going to have Sunday school at 7.15. So the doors will open at Summer Hill at 7 a.m. Some people like getting up early and coming on to church and out at 9.30. Let me tell you why I want to do that. I used to work night shift, and there are a lot of people who work night shift. All you nurses and doctors and people that work in night shift and want to still go to church. Well, hey, you can leave from 11 to 7, leave your job at 7, and come straight on over. Come just dress the way you are. Don't try to change and dress up in nothing. We don't care how you dress. You just come on anyhow. Come on to Summer Hill. At 7 o'clock, the doors open. Come to Sunday school at 7.15 to 8 o'clock. Then the service starts at 8 and out at 9.30. And go right on home and go to bed. You be in the bed before 10 o'clock. Go to bed and get your rest. Work in that night shift. Or if you just love coming early and you want to get out around 9.30, come to Summer Hill. One of us will be there. Either I will be there or my son, but you're going to enjoy it. All right, my friend. I thank you so much for tuning in today, and I pray that what I said as words from a senior pastor has changed your life. God bless you. See you next time.